The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. We want new, constantly. I would go so far as to say we're nearly addicted to new. Uh, we, we want new content. We want new ideas, we want new videos, we want new technology, we want new fashion, new styles. I mean, who wants last year's look? I, I, and I'm just saying, like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm very stylish. I feel like I got like a couple year old, you know, look and everything. But you know, like everybody's like, I don't want to have last year's look. I don't want that hairstyle. I want this. I, you know, we don't want hand-me-downs. We don't want, I mean, we have students, they don't want last year's textbooks. Textbook companies are pressured to constantly crank out edited versions, the latest version, the, you know, everything's 2.0, 3.0, 5.0, right? Because you need the latest, great and you have it. I mean, it's funny how like, you have a piece of technology and it's amazing until the next one comes out. And then you're like, I, I knew it, man, everything wrong. In fact, this just happened to me. They came out with a new OS for Macs and uh, I've been totally happy with how my computer operates, but I saw it there, Catalina. I think that's what it's called. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna upgrade because I guess I'm supposed to. And then I did and I'm miserable. I can't figure it out. No, okay. But the point is like they're always upgrading, always updating, always this, right? And, and uh, part of the reason why, I'm not saying it's the reason, but I'm saying part of the reason why we're so caught up in new is because everything's getting old and we feel it. There's something deep inside of us that doesn't like the fact that things around us and in us and on us are getting old. And so we fight it by holding on to new, grabbing new and buying new and getting new and having new. Because if I have new clothes and you don't see how this is starting to look old, is this getting too close to home? It's true, we, we're kind of just, Almost by grabbing onto new, what we're admitting is that we don't like the fact that things are not what they once were. Laura pointed out to me that I have wrinkles. <laughs> and I've had them. She's trying to encourage me to use girly lotion. I said, there's no way. This face can look like a prune. Putting, all right. You gotta admit, right, things, they don't look like they used to. A little less hair, a little less muscle, sags and droops and looks a little different. I mean, and so we fight it. I mean, that's kind of what makeup is. That's what diets are, right? That's why we start eating right. That's why you bought the lotions, right? It's all an attempt to cover up and mask the fact that everything is getting older, it's headed toward breaking down, it's wearing down, it's wearing out, it's getting old, and even the world around us, the world itself is aging and breaking, and what do you think a refrigerator is? I mean, a refrigerator is a device, technology, in the attempt to keep things from getting old. 
from spoiling. Now that's a good idea, right? I mean, I don't want my meat to spoil in a day. So, it, but it's still, it's an attempt to keep the aging process from happening. And something fundamentally lives inside of us that says this, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I, I, I shouldn't look in the mirror and not look like I used to look. Everybody else around us is aging, and yet we think we're the special ones that uniquely should not have to succumb to aging, to dying. We, we have this fundamental belief that there is something wrong with things falling apart, breaking down, growing old, getting broken down. Does it, it's not supposed to be this way. And uh, one of the authors, uh, uh, an author that wrote the last book of the Bible, it's called the book of Revelation. He writes as an encouragement to say, it won't always be this way. He was writing to people that were in trouble. They were, they were being put to death. They weren't just looking in the mirror, seeing kind of the slow aging process happening. They were facing lions, uh, you know, being thrown to the lions. They were facing being thrown in the fire. They were, being, they were facing being tortured. They were facing real death. And so the, uh, John writes to the church and these believers that are on the brink of facing, uh, being de devastated and destroyed. And he's writing to encourage them that it will not always be this way. And so he writes this, and I want to encourage you with this. He, he says this in Revelation chapter 21, uh, verse 1 and, th through, and, and 3 through five, and this is toward the end of the book, right? So the book is about like the apocalypse and the end of times, and as you get toward the end, he's talking about this picture of the fact that it will not always be this way. Things won't always be getting older and older. They won't always be get breaking down more and more. Things won't just keep falling apart and aging and aging. He goes like this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning for the old order of things has passed away. Because the, the old order, the fact that things get older and older and older, things are dying and decaying, that old order is passing away. Death is dying. Aging will age out. He who, ha he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he goes like this. Um, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In essence, he lands this whole statement with this. You can take this to the bank. You can build your life on this. You can anchor your, your boat in the storm on this truth. So remember, he's writing to people that the lives are in turmoil. Everything feels like it's falling apart. Crises are coming up in the cities. It seems like things have gone from bad to worse. And you, in this time, they were looking at the news and they're thinking, how much worse? can it get before the nation collapses, before empires collapse, before the world just caves in? And John goes, you can, you can build your life on this. 
that it will not always be this way. That there is a God who rules over all and in the end, it will be a brand new beginning, a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more pain and no more death and no more mourning, grieving. Sometimes we offer encouragement like this at funerals to say your loved ones who've passed have already experienced the passing away of the old order. They've transitioned from death to life. And so we encourage, they've gone to a place where there is no more cancer and no more pain and no more tears and no more sorrow, right? But he doesn't stop there. Hold on guys, jump, jump back just for a second to that verse. He can, he, when he's saying this, he also goes, yes, the one seen on the throne, Jesus himself said this, I am making everything new. And the reason I read that to you is this, there's something unique about the way the author John wrote this. And he says, I am making everything new. Jesus in this revelation is speaking to John and he goes, it's not just that a day will come when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, when death will pass away, when the aging process will end and everything will be changed. It's not just that cancer will be defeated. It's not just that sickness will be defeated. It's not just that suffering will be defeated. It's that right now I am at work making everything new. While the whole world around us is getting older and older and older, and while when you look in the mirror, you're getting older and older and older, Jesus said, I am at work making everything newer and newer and newer. Now, there's, there's an interesting thing. Um, in the original language, remember, this wasn't written in English. Um, the, author, the authors of the Bible, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek, most of it. And there are two Greek words for the word new, neonos and kainos. And uh, they have two different meanings. There's two different words. Um, neonos means young or brand new, like a little sapling, you know, a little, piece, little tree that begins to grow up, you know, like uh, it, it's brand new, it's, it's fresh, it's young. And uh, the word he uses here is kainos. And what that means is, uh, it, it, it means something different, something that already exists, but it's made new, it's renewed, it's transformed new. And what John is saying is that the word of Jesus for us is that God is at work doing a kainos work in our life. If you experience the work of God, he is at work making things newer and newer and newer. They're not, even though they should be getting older and older and older. So how does God do that? How does he bring this newness into the world we live in? Well, we're gonna to jump to a, another letter written by the author Paul, who is writing to the church in Ephesus. Now, the city of Ephesus, they've not only got cultural decay, where the family structure is breaking down, they have uh, people being exploited in their cities. It's kind of the epicenter of sex trafficking and human trafficking in the ancient Roman Empire. It's a place where wealth is used to abuse the weak and the poor, where power is used to oppress those who are marginalized and weaker than them. 
And so the Apostle Paul is writing this letter. He actually wrote several letters to the church in Ephesus, challenging them that they are called to be kainos in their city. They're called to be the agent of how God makes things new in the world around them. And, and so I want to challenge you that these words are not just for them, but 2,000 years later are for us today. I want to jump to chapter 3. We've been going through this letter um, to the Ephesian church. He ends chapter 3 this way. Now to him who is able, he's referring to God. Now to the God who is able, and I, I'm going to have you do a little bit of responsive uh, talk with me here. So I want you to say, now to him who is able, I want you all to say able. That wasn't very convincing. Uh, all of our campuses right now, I want you to say able. Able. Able, all right. So meaning in your life, God is able. Able to do what? Able to do immeasurably more than we all than we all, than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within him. Okay, I gotta pause. Because this requires a little explanation. Paul is writing, and he goes, like this, I want you to know this, God is able. God is able to heal. God is able to transform. God is able to reverse the trend of the opioid crisis. God is able to set free those that are in addictions. God is able to heal broken marriages. God is able to restore your mind. Maybe you've gotten into a trap. Maybe, maybe mental illness is beginning to take over your thinking. God is able. Maybe your body is succumbing to sickness and aging. God is able. Maybe your emotions have gotten wildly out of control. God is able. Able to do what? To do it measurably more than you can even know how to ask in prayer or you can even imagine. Close your eyes and begin to dream about what your life could be like if God did the impossible. You can't even dream it. Why? Because God does immeasurably more. Now this is just for fun, okay? This is for free. Just throwing a little extra out there for you guys. Um, Paul made this word up. In the Greek, it's not really this word. Like we translate in English and it's translated immeasurably more. In the Greek, he basically made up a kid's word. If you're hanging out with kids, you're like, how many marbles do you have? I don't know, nobody has marbles. How, I don't know. <laughs> how many points do you have in your little game on your phone? And they're like, I have like a bazillion quadrillion. This is what the apostle Paul does. He goes, God is able to do gigantic, enormous, humongous more. <laughs> God is able to take all of the big words that we use, stick them all together. God can do all of that and more because you can't even think to ask for all of that, but God wants to do it. Now, how does God do this? Through his power that is at work within us. God does the giganta, humongo, enormous by his power that is at work in us. To him be glory in the church so that he can show off in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations so that the church shines the glory of God and every generation can see the giganta, humongo, enormous work that God wants to do. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Forever and ever and ever. And there's a point to this. And it's this. God wants to do something in your life. Do you get that? And uh, what he wants to do is this. You are gifted to give. God wants to give you a gift. 
But he doesn't want to give you a gift so you can hoard it. God wants to give you a gift so you can share it. So I want you to make a note of this, not just a mental note, because I, if you're like me, you're getting a little older and you're going to forget. And you're going to get busy and active and you won't even remember hardly anything from this sermon except that I used a crazy word like giganta, humongo, enormous. And you won't remember that the point was that you are gifted to give. So why is it that we are getting older and older? Well, you could just say, well, that's just the way things are. They weren't always that way. And they won't always be that way. No, the beginning when God created the world, the universe, he, did, he designed it so that it would not just keep aging and aging and dying and decaying. But we, first man and woman, rejected God. And that rejection was called sin. And sin entered the world and us like a virus. And every person born was born with the virus of sin. Everything born was born with the virus of sin. Everything that exists was infected with the virus of sin so that everything began to break down. Governments break down. Nations break down. Finances break down. Marriages break down. People break down. Our hair, our looks, our body, it all breaks down to the point where eventually it gets to death and decays. Sin. But the worst part of sin is not just that it's at work making everything old and older, or that it leads to death and dying, but that it is at work in us leading to forever ruin. So that when we die, we don't just cease to exist, we go on into a forever separated from God and all that is good, where God's eternity is getting newer and newer, and eternity without God is getting worse and worse. Just perpetually more and more suffering, more and more judgment, more and more death and dying. And that's the way it would be forever if God had to intervene. If God didn't speak into our mess and into this death and say, I am making everything new. So how, did, how is God at work making everything new? Well, the first thing God did was to step into sin and take on our suffering. When Jesus came to earth, he came to bring kainos with him. He, br he came to bring new. So he entered into the, the older, older, older process. He stepped into that, where the whole world and the universe is getting older and older and older, aging and aging and aging, headed toward death and dying and decay. He stepped into that. He took all of that on himself, which is why he had to die. He took on our eternal judgment, our eternal sufferings, that when Jesus died, he died in our place. He died in place of the punishment for all sin, the sin that is at work in our world, in our governments, in our economy. He took it on himself so that he suffered and died once for all. And when he rose from the dead, he brought a kainos newness into the world. It was as if there was this virus and it's virus that's still at work, but he became the inoculation. He became the cure that began to reverse the curse. He brought kainos into this so that when you believe in Jesus, you are, you're not in, he begins to reverse this infection and he gives you the cure so that while your body 
still suffers under the sin curse. So you're getting older and older. Don't walk out of here thinking that if you believe in Jesus, you're gonna get younger and younger physically, but you are being spiritually renewed day by day. Your, your mind can begin to be renewed. Your emotions can begin to be renewed. Your attitude can be renewed. Your spirit man can be made new so that you undergo a transformation so that rather than getting older and older and worse and worse and decaying and dying, you are in a reverse process of kainos where you are getting newer and newer, where you experience a new and different kind of life, an eternal life where, right? Because eternity by definition goes on forever, which means no matter how much of it you've lived, you've only just begun. So, right, this is crazy. Like, it's like, what, really? That means you're always getting newer and newer. It's as, it's as if you're undergoing a reverse aging process. They're all a bunch of Benjamin Buttons. I don't know. Like, maybe that's not a very good illustration. Um, here, here's what I want you to take away. So what does that mean for us? Well, let's jump in. Let's jump into that uh, Ephesians chapter 4. He goes, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Because God has put the gift of kainos, newness in you, he's also giving you a calling which you receive, a gift to share. Be completely humble. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You just received it by faith. And be gentle, recognizing that most people around you are in a aging, dying, decaying, sin-corrupting process. And so come to them gently, offering kainos newness in their life. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You see, like we come compassionately. So recognizing that we have gifts from God. In fact, uh, jumping to another verse just to make the same, uh, the same point. Uh, he says this just a few verses later. So Christ himself gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, for what purpose? So that we can do all the work, so that we can do all the pastoral ministry, so we can pray for everyone, so that we can uh, do every hospital visit, so that we can show up at everyone's home who's sick and suffering. No, no, no. He goes like this. Here's why God gave the gift of leadership to the church, to equip his people for works of service. God gave the church leaders to train everyone to begin to use their gifts. The point is, we, every one of us at every campus, we are gifted. You are uniquely gifted. The gift you have is designed uniquely for you to do your part within the larger church. So I have to camp out for a moment and talk about the church. God gave the gift of the church to the world around us. So you are a gift to the church. And as you begin to get, use your gift, God takes the church and gives it to the world. A world that is getting older and older and older, he gives the church so that we become the most powerful agent of change so that in a world that is in decay, we're the only hope of making things new. We're the only one with the message. 
We're the only one that can say we've tapped into the power of newness that can transform our city. The church is the only hope of the world because we have the only hope, which is a message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, he died, he rose again from the dead, and if you believe in him, kainos power comes in you, forgives you of sin, and you are beginning to be made new. And when we can bring that into a city, we become agents of transformation and change. You're part of that today. Lifehouse is a gift to our community. It's a gift to the city, to Hagerstown and the surrounding communities of Washington County. It's a gift to Franklin County and Chambersburg and the surrounding communities in, in this region. We're a gift. Now we have to act like a gift, right? So how does God intend for the church to function? Well, we have to, we've received power that is at work in us so that God can show off through us. So we must be a church that unchurched people want to actually attend. A lot of what we do Kind of the style, the skin of what we do is designed to create an experience to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. Maybe you're brand new today and you're coming here like, this is a little different than most churches I've ever, I've ever even heard about. That was on purpose. We want to create an experience that people who are not familiar with church actually want to come out and be part of. And you have a responsibility, if you've been actively part of this, to actually invite your friends who are not plugged into a church. If you've got friends that are going to church, keep encouraging them to go to their church. But if they're not in church, you have a responsibility to invite them into Lifehouse because we're a gift to the community. And the only way that God has commissioned his message to get out to the community. But let's not just stop there. God empowers the church for us to share and show God's love with people that are far from God. So we must be about the one and one more. Can you guys say that with me? Say it's about the one and one more. All right, maybe I want you to shout one more. Go ahead, ready? All right, so that, that has to be our mission. We gotta be about one more. Um, we must be about partnering with other churches. That's where the For Our City effort comes in because we believe that there are certain crises in our community, addictions, uh, the opioid epidemic, right? Issues like racism and marginalization and poverty and homelessness and broken homes and unstable family situations, how we get kids into the foster care system, human trafficking crisis. Like we've got to step up as the church and do something about it to bring kainos into tragedy, kainos into crisis so that instead of everything getting worse and worse and worse, we bring Jesus and it can get better and better and better. It can become newer and newer. We can bring transformation to community. So God's power is at work in you. You've been gifted. God's power is at work in Lifehouse. God's power is at work in each of our campuses. And now it means we got to become part of that. What does that look like? Let me jump to the next verse. Here's this. So that, why all of that? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith the knowledge, boy, this sounds so different than the way the world functions, doesn't it? Right? We're new. We're kainos. In a world that is disunified, in a world that is tearing everyone down, we build up. We unify so that people grow in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then he, said, and then he continues and says, for, 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Here's the point. You are not just gifted. You are gifted to give. We are gifted to give. We are not consumers that say, how can I get? We are Christians that say, how can I give? Say that again. We are not consumers that say, how can I get more? We are Christians who say, how can I give more? You've been given a gift, a unique gift. You've been given talents and abilities. In fact, the Apostle Paul in four different, in three different letters uh, writes about these different gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he writes about these gifts that shine through our life as we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12. In First, in, uh, I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 12, he talks about motivational gifts. These would be gifts of leadership and gifts of administration. In Ephesians chapter 4, what I just read, he talked about the leadership gifts. And then in another letter written by the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4, he talks about more gifts. Gifts of serving, gifts of giving, gifts of teaching. And the point is that you have all, he lists, there's 19 different gifts. Listen, there's probably more. You have some of them. You probably don't have all of them, but you at least have a few of them. And the point is, it's a lot of work if only a few of us are doing it. But the moment you begin to step up and you begin to do your part, the work, you know, they say many hands make light work. We can, we can become the kainos newness of God in a community if we all begin to find our place and begin to do our part. Now, I want to build on that next week, but I want to camp out on a key point this week, and that is one of the unique parts of the giftedness God has given us is that God has been generous to us to be generous through us. You don't have more so that you can keep more or get more. God has given you more so that you can give more. And you're thinking, I don't have more. Oh, no, you do. You have all of God. You have the riches of God. You have the generosity of God at work in you and through you. And so I want to challenge you that God is inviting you to take a step of faith into generosity. What I mean by that is this. The first, I want to give you two things. The first would be this, uh, tithing, which is this idea of setting aside 10% of what I make to God. I used to feel really weird about talking about this. And then I realized, like, if I could give you the if I could give you access to like Microsoft or Apple, like the first years when they were going public, who wouldn't take it? You get access to buying into an IPO or into like a stock uh, that is gonna have eternal dividends. Like you get interest forever. I guess you, like, like, the, like the, the growth chart just like always goes up. So I encourage people, absolutely, what, what could you give to that would have better impact? Okay, so the first thing would be set aside 10% of what you earn to God into the church, into LifeHouse. Why? I believe in LifeHouse. I believe what God's doing here. Um, and, and can I, I, I know my time is tight, but I'm thinking about this. I actually did some math. If every family in our church, right, so you look at family units, if you gave, and we just did like a, like a poverty level, if you tithe off of a poverty level income, the, the resources within our church would increase almost three times. And that's if every family only was making poverty level and statistically speaking, that's not the case. Um, 
So imagine what we could do, like look what God's doing through us now. Imagine what we could do if we had three times the amount of resources. And that would be only if people just tithe. Now let me jump over to Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders is set, setting aside, uh, it's saying I wanna give above and beyond. So the, I don't, I'm not gonna give you a sales pitch. We show videos almost every weekend of where your resources have gone. The small number of you who've contributed to that, and I say small number when I think about the percentage of those involved, and my goal is not to shame you, but to invite you and to say, I've just dreamed about the immeasurably more that God could do if God would release generosity into your hearts and you begin to give. Look, we've been able to help purchase property in an almost entirely Muslim region in the Balkans. A church that's the first uh, like church planting center in that region and you help pay for that. You help purchase that property and right now they are at work reaching people far away from Jesus in a region that has very little representation of the gospel. They're training up pastors to help start churches in areas where there are zero churches. In fact, that church in Shkodra, Albania sends a team up multiple times every month. We help financially resource that. They're going into Olchen, Montenegro, where there are zero churches, and they're beginning to share the good news of God's love. How is that possible? Kingdom builders. But it's not just what we do internationally, right? We have benevolent support, relief efforts all across the globe, what we participate with when it comes to human trafficking, but it also impacts our local community. This is our for our city efforts. The only way we do what we do for our city is because of the generosity of those that give to kingdom builders. And so that's what allows us to respond to a Brooks House opportunity. Right now, we have an opportunity with Teen Challenge. They wanna start an, uh, an addiction recovery center for men in the Hagerstown area. They have a team ready to come up here. They, they already have the whole plan in place. All they need is a location and the churches to get behind it. And we were the first ones in. We were like, we're gonna, let's do it. Let's help make it happen. How are we gonna do that? I don't know. Kingdom builders, let's go. And, uh, but that's gonna happen because of your generosity. What we do in partnering with local schools, what we do in response to poverty and homelessness on the streets, what we do with the adopt the block efforts, what we do in supporting other local communities and other local churches. You might not know this, but we actually give financially to help other churches, even in our own surrounding region. Because we believe in the church and we believe that part of our heart is to be a best friend to the local church. How is that possible for our city? Okay. I said I wasn't gonna try to sell it. Now I feel like a salesman, but I just, I'm telling you, this is what I get excited about. So I'm just gonna pause. I want you to respond. I want you first to respond to kindness. Some of you, it's not just that you're getting older and older on the outside. It's that sin is corrupting you on the inside. You're getting older and older. It's destroying you. It's tearing you apart. And your first commitment is to say yes to Jesus Christ. Yes to the hope that is found in the message of the gospel where Jesus is saying, in your life, I am making everything new. Maybe you're, you're in need of that newness right now and you make that commitment and that decision. And I want, if, if that's where you're at today, I want you to think about anything else. And you're gonna experience that. At each of our campuses, if that's where you're at, we want you to experience that hope. There's a second group of you. I would like to believe that there's many of you that fit into this second group. You believe in Jesus. You've experienced the kainos newness of God. You've been given a gift you're not actively sharing it. And I know you're not actively sharing it because our story would look different if you were. Again, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to invite you. Imagine what God could do with your life if you would begin to release your hold on trying to get new 
and you begin to give new. Imagine what God could do with your life. Well, I think what God could do is gigantic, humongous, enormous more than you even know to pray or you could even think to imagine. I just want to be part of the gigantic, humongous, enormous more. And so with that, I want to, I want to just, I want to pray over you, but then I want to give you time to pray. Is that, is that fair? Again, at each of our campuses, I want you to participate with me. So I'm going to pray. I want to give you time to respond. Heavenly Father, thank you that you didn't leave us experiencing death and decay and destruction and ruin. You intervened by sending your son, Jesus Christ, who, who didn't just make brand new things. He, he took old things and made them new. God, so right now, there are many who are receiving kainos. They're receiving the newness of God in their life. They're receiving forgiveness of sin and hope that comes through faith in Jesus. And God, that's one person and one more. But God, we also know that you've called us to reach out to a community that God, you've, you've commissioned the church to be the hope of the world. And so God, I pray a release of generosity over Lifehouse, that we would be a light in the darkness. We would be a city on a hill. We would offer the hope of the world. And God, that we would be getting newer and newer and we would bring newness to our cities, newness to city blocks that are in decay, newness to schools that are suffering under brokenness and poverty and kids that are walking through trauma. God, that we could begin to transform our communities with kindness. God, would you release our grip from getting so that we can open our hands and begin giving. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's how I want you to respond. I want you to take the next several moments, even as we go into this song, I want you to just pray. How, can, how does God want me to participate? Yes, we gave you a card. If you don't have a card, Again, at each of our campuses, just raise your hand and say, hey, I don't have a Kingdom Builders pledge card or a commitment card. We wanna give you one. Here's the deal. This isn't about finance. This is about faith. And we just wanna give you an opportunity to respond in faith. Look, it's not about the dollar amount that you write down. It's about a step of faith. And so we wanna encourage you, would you just take a step of faith with us? Every one of us are doing this. We're asking you to participate. And so I want you to pray about it. I don't want you just to think of a number because some of you, God might say, no, no, that's not necessary. You don't have to go that far. That's crazy talk. But for others of you, God's going to say, add a zero. Some of you, God's going to be like, I want you to add two zeros. I'm rooting for that. <laughs> um, hey, you just pray. Let God speak to you. And then you fill out that card, right? Hey, I, I want you to know this. I'm going to end this with this. I love you. My wife and I, our family, we love you. We pray for you. We, we dream of what God could do through LifeHouse, but we know that every prayer and every dream is nothing close to the gigantic, humongous, enormous more that God wants to do. And that's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm looking forward to. Hey, why don't you guys take this moment, just pray. Let God speak to your heart. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.